Greetings, salutations, and welcome into the Monday edition of Sports Talk, kicking off another week. Glad you are here. I'm Scott Beatty, Evan Kahn as well. We've got you for the first hour. Next hour, it's the News Gazette Sports Writers, or those that are here and not vacationing, Scott Ritchie. In that time of year. And they've got you till 6 o'clock, and then White Sox baseball against the Cleveland Guardians. That time of year as well when the Kendall Gill golf outing happens. They're out there now for the good cause supporting Cunningham Children's Home 33rd straight year. And that also affords us an opportunity to catch up with Brad Underwood and Kendall Gill. So we have some of that audio to bring you. But first of all, a slightly more tan Evan Kahn. Yes, sir. Here with us. Yes, sir. Plenty, plenty, maybe even a little too much sun this weekend. Is there such thing? No, not really. <laughs> Uh, 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 floating along somewhere? Yeah, yeah, we did plenty of boating, mostly, yeah, just sitting in the sun and, and bronzing the skin, and we got that accomplished. I'm probably going to take a, a break from the, the light beer for about 10 to 14 business days, <laughs> uh, do a little little regrouping as far as A little as detoxing? Goes. Yeah, yeah, but no, it was a, a great trip. Hopefully you guys held down the fort and uh, a good last week here before the All-Star break, so... Speaking of All-Star break, uh, Ian Happ added to the All-Star team yes, sir. for the Cubs. And look, I you know, I just I just like here's a guy who got bumped back down a little bit. I don't think was too happy about it, but could have ended up just pouting and instead worked and is better. Mhm. And he's having his best best season ever. Oh, and, and and so good for him. Yeah, you, you yeah. could have just you know just whatever woe is me instead got his stuff together. It happens a, a lot with top ten picks. You know, it, it you, you struggle for the first time when you go through the minor leagues, or, or with Ian Happ, it took him about a season and a half in the major leagues to to start to struggle. And, and yeah, they made the tough decision to to send him down. And this was in the time when the Cubs weren't meeting expectations. He could have been part of a, a retooling trade at, at some point but he's put it all together he's looking just as good from the right side of the plate as he has from the left side for his first five years of, of his career he's thro- putting the defense together a little bit out there in the outfield and, and yeah a really good story in a time where there's not a whole lot uh, of leftovers from that those Cubs glory days mm-hmm. and to see him get the first all-star game uh, pretty cool. Yeah, the Wilson Contreras watch continues for the Cubs. No news as of yet. There's starting to be trades of significance reported. One today involving a former Illini, Andrew Hoffman, who pitched last year here, was sent by the Braves to Kansas City as part of a deal uh, that sent along three prospects to the Royals in exchange in exchange for a draft pick for mm-hmm. the Royals. And I was today years old when I found out there's actually a lot of restrictions on whether you can send draft picks back and forth. I'm not really sure why. Um, other sports let you do it, but <laughs> that's kind of one of those rare things. The 35th overall pick coming up in this Saturday got traded by the Royals. Yeah, being the baseball nerd that I am, this really piqued my interest. Three guys, as you mentioned, Andrew Hoffman, who's been really good since going pro. He's got a sub-3 ERA, if I saw right. Uh, Drew Waters, who was a one-time top 100 prospect. He's kind of fallen on tough times, but you mentioned it. It's one of those few picks that can be traded, those competitive balance picks that the small 
smaller markets get St. Louis somehow included in there, but that's a discussion for another day. But yeah, a really good pick too, you know, right after the the first round there in the 30s for for the Braves, but uh, a lot of Illini making their way over to Kansas City. Yep, Michael Massey in Triple A. Uh, of course, in Omaha, we've touched on that a few times here in the last couple of weeks. So we'll see how uh, things continue to progress for those two former Illini. And uh, later this week, we're going to talk with Dan Hartlib as the draft comes up. His thoughts uh, on that. Of course, we've got the conference realignment and state of college <laughs> baseball as well that uh, we might be able to touch on. But we can't uh, we cannot avoid basketball here in the summer, especially today with the Kendall Gill outing, and uh, Brad Underwood was on hand to uh, to be a part of that, address the golfers. Kendall Gill was there. want to bring you some of that audio. Let's start with Brad Underwood just a little bit, giving us an update on uh, today, practice today, and how things are going along right now in the summer. Today was a day we did a lot of, uh, a lot of teaching, okay. so a lot of introductory stuff. We've kind of slowed the pace a little bit until Matt got here. We didn't want to get too far ahead. So today was a, was a little more teaching. We did a lot of shooting today. Uh, continue to always work on the defensive side. As you guys know by now, I think that's the hardest side to build chemistry. You know, it's all fundamental stuff and terminology that we're trying to get these guys up to speed with. How much does the coach and you like that? The teaching, I mean, yeah, a lot. if you had a roster of vets that have been with you for three years. That was last year. Yeah. You know, last year was was very, very specific in, in, in terms of what we did. We did a ton of shooting last year. Um, you know, Trent and DeMonte knew what I was going to say before I said it. Um, you know, there was a, there was, and I, I'm going to use the word stagnant, that's not the right word, um, because of the experience. Uh, they knew. And, you know, I think this year there's a, I, I love the energy, I love the excitement that these guys provide. And uh, it is a lot of teaching. So you've got to back up and, you know, become a first grade teacher again before you can become a middle school teacher. And, and I mean that in terms of just basic terminology and learning things. You know, they're learning the ABCs of, of Illinois basketball. So, um, yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It's why I do it. It's why I got into this is, is you know, moments, moments like this help guys get better. Brad Underwood now is probably on a plane to Las Vegas. He intends to watch Kofi Coburn tonight out there in the summer league, and we'll be there for a few days. Poor him. <laughs> yeah, well, this isn't particularly the ideal time to be out in the desert, but there are plenty of worse places to be than than Vegas at really any point in time. But um, just really curious because he, he says teaching, and, and we know there's not very few guys that are back, but he didn't mention, you know, a, a Coleman Hawkins knowing the things and, and R.J. Melendez and Luke Goody, so which makes you think there's going to be a lot of changes both on the offensive and the defensive side, even though they're going to hang their hat and play really tough defense. Maybe we, we see some different schemes and, and some different ways to maneuver guys now that they've got a, a completely different loaded roster. Yeah, and as we move along, I have a piece of audio that I, I mentioned on Friday and didn't get to and want to want to bring it before the hour is out. Coleman Hawkins on a, a podcast and was rather candid about the uh, early exits in March for Illinois basketball the last couple of years. Not in a mean way, but just kind of forthright. So we will... Uh, we will discuss that. But there's more here from Brad Underwood and Kendall Gill as well uh, to get to. Not a whole lot on the headline front today that's just screaming at us. A lot of baseball uh, here and there. Um, NFL is kind of quiet at the moment. We're still 
Nobody added to the Big Ten, Evan, since you were gone the last two days. That's what I was surprised. I thought I was going to come back and everything was going to be different. But from the little that I saw, nothing jumped out like somebody jumped ship again. So, yeah, we're still going to keep locked into that. Uh, Illinois women's basketball note for you. Their matchup in the Big Ten ACC Challenge will be against Pitt in the Steel City. November 30th, which will not be near Heinz Field. It will be near – well, they, they put out the new name out there. Yeah, Heinz some Field. insurance company I'd never heard of before, but they're supposedly one of the best. So Yeah, well, I mean, I guess – Maybe now we'll, we'll I, hear about them. I guess when it comes to ketchup, we, we kind of know what our options are, right? <laughs> well, they're, they're apparently staying involved somehow, but they've switched things over. I was surprised, and maybe Lauren would definitely remember it and somebody else might, but the Pittsburgh-Illinois matchup for women's basketball would be the first time in the history of both of those programs. And, and although I don't go back too far, I can't remember an Illinois-Pittsburgh matchup on the men's side especially in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. I don't think that's ever happened. Maybe they've met up somewhere else before, but uh, for, for that to, to never work out, I, I thought it's a, a, an odd coincidence that the women are going to get the first crack at the Panthers. I don't recall one either in recent history, at least. Pitt is an interesting school to me. I don't know much about it, and they sort of fly under the radar unless, <laughs> you know, what uh, uh, what was his name? Was it Richard Jefferson or... Who am I thinking of? But you know, once or who was the big player, the, the quarterback there last year? Oh, uh, Kenny Pickett. There we go. And you know, Dan Marino went there. Just some guy who played quarterback for a while with yeah, the Dolphins. So, yeah, I mean, every once in a while, they, I don't know why I was thinking Richard Jefferson. He came across my timeline. Well, when when Jamie but, Dixon was there, he really had things rolling in, in the two thousands. Maybe you're thinking of Dewan Blair. Um, really there in the, the late 2000s. I think they made two or three straight Elite Eights, and then he jumped ship down to TCU, and they've kind of fallen off the map. But, yeah, they, they tend to, to show up uh, among the the higher-ranked teams across basketball and football every now and then. Yeah, but they don't seem to carry uh, the, the, the brand kind of as far as – I mean, obviously Penn State's the state school. Mm-hmm. It's just an interesting sort of city schools to me are tough. Yeah. City schools are tough. I mean, I, I'm sure they have their alumni base, but they just don't seem to carry out uh, a brand like a state school does. Well, yeah. And now that you say that, hard pressed to think of a, another city school in a Power Five conference. Well, There's Miami, but kind of, yeah, yeah. You know, Again, it's I mean, like an they, extension of the universe. No, maybe not. I guess it's not. It's no, its own no, deal. But is. you know, I mean, uh, uh, UCLA in a way. Yeah. Uh, Houston, but they're few and far between. I, I, I'm saying, with or without athletic success, they don't seem to have quite the same presence of mind, mm-hmm. top of mind awareness. Yeah, that makes sense. I think maybe it's because they're usually in pro towns that have other things going on. Exactly. And the state schools usually, you know, Illinois gathers a lot more than Northwestern or DePaul. Mm-hmm. That's my get, point. Once you get downstate, they, they've got a hold, yeah, outside of Pittsburgh. I mean, Pittsburgh's got plenty going on. So. Mm-hmm. All right. This edition of Sports Talk brought to you in part by Facer Law Office invites you to attend their free seminar, The Seven Deadly Sins That Could Wreck Your Life Plan. Join Thorpe Facer and Facer Law Office, the I Hotel and Conference Center, Wednesday, July 13th, 1.30 p.m. Reserve your space. 
by calling Facer Law Office at 337-1111. That's 337-1111. When we come back, a lot more to hear from from Brad Underwood today and Kendall Gill. Underwood weighing in on the recruiting trail, uh, how Sky Clark is doing Kendall Gill has is now seeing the recruiting process again from a different perspective. A lot to get to. Stay with us. Monday edition of Sports Talk continues with Evan Kahn. I'm Scott Beatty. Steve Kelly hosting the next hour, but he is here in studio with a bit of somber news that uh, you've just learned, Steve. Tell us. Yeah, just uh, learned of the passing of former Illini football coach Gary Moeller at the age of 82. Just got that uh, confirmed through some folks up in Michigan. He coached the U of I back in 1977, 78, and 79. Had a record, uh, not a very good record, 624-3 at Illinois in three seasons. And he came to Illinois from Michigan where he was an assistant coach. Later went back as the head coach at Michigan, 1990, 1990 to 94, five seasons, 44-13-3 at Michigan. So uh, not bad there. But Gary Moeller, at the age of 82, is uh, no longer with us passing away today. Remember, Illinois got to Michigan a couple of times when he was the head coach there yeah. in the early 90s. Did you interact with him much when you were on the beat when he was the Michigan guy? Yes, when he was a Michigan guy. I was not here yet when he was uh, – Still at Illinois, I missed him by a couple of years when I came to town. He was, he was always very cordial uh, to us and remembered uh, his days fondly, I guess. Maybe not so fondly overall, but uh, uh, things worked out okay for him after a, a, a not a very good uh, head coaching debut at the, the uh, U of I. But, uh, yeah, he was very cordial. We talked to him every year at Football Media Days. Yeah, well, that is uh, sad news, but people would uh, remember him. And then when he left Illinois, that sort of ushered in the new era of Illinois football in the 80s. Yep. Um, and he eventually sort of landed on his feet there. He did. He was, a, he was a good Big Ten guy. Yeah. Yeah. And he, from your neck of the woods in Ohio, yes, too. Yes, I don't know if you can still say that's your neck of the woods with how long you've been here. But well, yeah. that's where my roots are. <laughs> yeah, I, there you I've go. been here longer than I was there. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, that's true. All right. That's uh, news to hear. Gary Moeller, uh, dead now at the age of uh, 81 years old. Appreciate it, Steve. Yep. We'll see you next hour as well. Kendall Gill, golf outing today, benefiting Cunningham Children's Home, 33rd straight year of that. That's a remarkable commitment that Kendall Gill has made to this, and he's out there every year. I, my hat's off to him uh, on that effort. It's not just... Um, uh, a passing uh, nod to some charity here. It's uh, Kendall's been committed to it, so I appreciate it. Oh yeah, I mean every year since you know I I, I didn't know much about it until I got into the area. But yeah, for a, a guy who's been here, there, and everywhere as Kendall Gill has, and to still come down to to Champaign Urbana to to do this every year uh, clearly means a lot to him. I got uh, friends that are in the know when it comes to some of this stuff. Uh, you know, obviously waiting lists for adoption can can be quite long, lengthy. But when it comes to uh, giving kids homes, there's not enough of them. So I encourage you to check out what Cunningham Children's Home is doing here and uh, support their their efforts to provide a place for kids who are really needed and would be in big trouble without it. All right, uh, Ken, uh, Brad Underwood there to support it as well. And 
was good enough to spend some time with us and asked about the swagger he may have right now on the recruiting trail. You know, I think it's good. You know, I think the one thing that is 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 hard is you don't talk to everybody. You know, you're not allowed. It's an evaluation period, so you're, you know, you're sitting there with a ne- bunch of other ball coaches. But no, there's no doubt. We're we're people notice when we walk in now, and and I think all the. Um, uh, the, the, the pundits out there and the, the scouting services and everybody's talking about us and, and I think and I know the um, uh, we've been very had very positive response from from all the kids that we're involved with and again it's um, it's a great class that we have here kids out there AAU coaches out there high school coaches know about that class so uh, you pair that with the fact that you've got a couple championships, and it's uh, it's a pretty good thing right now. On the other side of it, the Athletic just listed you as one of the big, quote, winners in the transfer portal. How do you react to that? Well, they liked my 20 bucks. I, I tipped them to uh, – <laughs> no, I, I – that's uh, – you know, we all know that that's – you know, it, it looks great on paper. And uh, these guys got to go out and perform. We met exactly what um, we wanted to accomplish, uh, finding leadership. Uh, finding big guys, big wings who can do different things. Uh, Dane's now been with us a semester, uh, so he's a little bit in, in um, you know, ahead of the other two. Matt just got here uh, over the weekend, so, you know, still waiting on him to clear a physical and do those things. Yeah, you know, I think it's um, it's a good thing. It says what a great great job our staff did in identifying and, and, and being able to go get. And, you know, a lot of new faces. But those veterans and, and those transfer guys have big shoes to fill because we've got to we've got to count on them for more than just great play. We've got to count on them for leadership. Is there an ideal player type in the twenty three class that you are looking at? To, what what's ideally uh, look like? Yeah, you know, I think we're you know we would we would take a really really good shooter, um, and then we would we need a uh, you know kind of a uh, you know we're looking at a bigger physical you know four. Um, you know that, that can do some things. Could could also go to the post a little bit. Uh, you know, I think that we know we lose Matt, uh, and uh, you know his versatility is a, is a big piece of that. And and finding someone to replace him is is um, a top priority. And and then we'll, we'll always look to try to find uh, to add shooting. You mentioned meshing. How comfortable can the team get without actual competition in November? Yeah, to to me, it's more about team building. To, to me, it's more about understanding character. Uh, and personalities and developing those things along with, you know, just the, the simple basketball stuff of learning terminology. Um, you know, it's a lot of teaching right now. It's not a ton of high-intensity stuff in terms of five-on-five. Five. It's it's more about teaching and, and, and understanding that, uh, you know, getting a lot of shots, working on weaknesses. Um, you know, that's what we look to do. But but as we continue to do team building stuff and get everybody here and identify, um, you know, personalities, you start to see this group click. That's been fun. And it's one of the things that uh, is truly a big part of winning is, is, is what happens right now in those team building moments. So that's what they're working on there. Brad Underwood today on the, uh, the Kendall Gill golf outing for Cunningham Children's Home. And he's off to Vegas now checking in on uh, Kofi Coburn, who's in a bit of a situation there in Utah. Uh, you know, as they're figuring their stuff out, but uh, we'll see where what happens with Kofi Coburn. He's a guy that tends to get better, um, but never, you know, he's not necessarily a guy that 
just out of the gate has all the things you need. So we'll see how he how much uh, he can add here in the summer league as he gets more and more coaching and starts to pick some things up. But for the immediate near future, as Brad Underwood was kind of touching on a bunch of topics there, the recruiting <laughs> side of things and the immediate near future, it's putting all these pieces together. Matthew Meyer is now on campus. They're getting him cleared out on physicals and all that other stuff they have to do to get him going. And uh, you're trying to add in Sky Clark when he's full go with his – uh, knee and all that sort of stuff. So it's starting to put things together, and we're still four months away. Yeah, there's from tip off. There's <laughs> still time, but it, it is completely different than than in years past, especially when you're waiting for guys to get on campus all throughout the summer, and, and you're not even going to have. Of course, we don't know how much the the French freshman is going to play, but he won't be here till August, and Clark's getting healthy. Although you figure he's going to play significant minutes as well as Myers, so a lot of probably what they've done over the last month is maybe some shell stuff. But yeah, it is the fundamentals. It's finding your shot again and they'll have to find that chemistry at some point if they really want it to click with with all the athletes that they have on the roster I'm really curious to know what level of expectation you can set as a coaching staff in terms of success in November because I keep saying it that this could be a team that's better in February and March than it will be in November December but you got some really strong competition early on that said, they're all in the same place, too. I don't know how, you know, depending on how many vets they return. Mm-hmm. But where do you set that, I want to win, I need to win now? But also, um, that's fine if, I don't want to say it's fine if you lose, but uh, more understandable. Yeah. Does that make sense? You, how do you, 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 you can only do so much until actual competition shows up. Yeah, it's, it's corny, but it's really going to be, are guys giving effort? Are you playing a full 40 minutes? And, and for the limited stuff that they have in, I, I'm sure that's going to be a, a slow build as well. Are you executing what we have in? Because there are going to be situations where when you have a new roster, a young roster that hasn't really played together, you just can't really do a whole mu- lot, especially in November. They'll have a couple sets on the offensive side, defense, you know, hopefully everybody knows what kind of role they play, and you just cover that. Yeah, the the wins and losses, you'll take the the wins, especially uh, out there in Vegas, if they can pick up one or two of those, then the expectations are going to go through the roof, but as long as you can hang and and guys aren't beating themselves, uh, you can probably hope that that you can dream on that for, for them to put it together as the season moves along. The word versatility keeps getting thrown around with this team, and it all looks like it's there, but that doesn't mean if there's 20 more options that you have than you did last year because we all know you know, Kofi was, I don't want to say one-dimensional, but you had to do certain things because that's what you had. Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't mean you have all those options at your disposal on day one. You don't want to confuse the whole team. You, you can't just have infinite permutations and just go well, read and react because there has to be some. Well, what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and there's always roles, right? You you like the guys that can play one through four or one through five, but you're you're not necessarily going to do that, especially in each game. You, you know, guys are going to have to find where they fit in, where the staff can maximize guys with other guys, uh, with how things are, are going to work out because we still don't really know. when you've got some big guys, but you don't have any big ten big guys, so. 
how how will they respond to that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see how that positionless basketball is. We talked a little <laughs> bit about with uh, Michael Finke. He experiences that overseas. That's sort of – I don't know if that's the label you want to put on Illinois. We'll see how it really uh, plays out because we've heard that talked about before <laughs> and it didn't, didn't really happen. But if guys have roles and they execute, that's fine. Um, also, you know, it's not a 100% healthy team. You got to see how that plays along. Mm-hmm. You, ma- you, you mentioned uh, uh, Plarain, who's coming in late. I, you know, I, you, you don't want to put too much on certain guys too quick. Yep. Let it see how it plays out. Um, some thoughts from Kendall Gill here to uh, get to, and also um, kind of on that theme there, uh, Coleman Hawkins had some sh- uh, thoughts too that we want to share with you and c- talking some basketball here on Monday but also uh, we've got some other nuggets on baseball to get to as well on sports talk Monday Sports Talk. Scott and Evan here for you this first hour. Steve's in next hour. We uh, go two hours tomorrow and Lauren will be in. Steve and the News Gazette sports writers. And again, if you missed it, Steve broke the news. Steve Kelly, that is. And Gary Moeller has passed away. The one-time head coach of Illinois football in the late 70s. Went on to be an assistant and then head coach at the University of Michigan. Had more success on the field there. And Gary Moeller passing away at the age of 81. Uh, A little more here from Brad Underwood. Sky Clark progressing. Remember, he's coming off that knee injury, the incoming freshman. Yeah, getting really close. Getting really close. Um, He actually tests today um, in comparison, you know, right, left, um, injured and non-injured. So we'll have a better idea after today. But... uh, but he's, he's, he's right there. He's doing a lot of the dry stuff full speed now, and, and that's, that's really important. Kendall Gill here, and Kendall Gill in another, uh, on the other side of his college basketball and professional career, his son Phoenix has picked up an offer from Illinois and so asked Kendall Gill what guidance does he want to give his son now that he's on this side of the recruiting aspect of things. Sign with Illinois. <laughs> That's the guidance I'm giving him. But no, I tell him, listen, he's he's just going into his sophomore year. We we're very appreciative of, of the offer that that he got uh, from Illinois. Uh, and I told him that you know you didn't get this because of me. You got this because of your talent. Your talent warranted. Um, he's very talented. He's big. At, uh, just going into his sophomore year. He's six two, um, and you know. He's hungry to improve. Uh, so, you know, I know this is at the beginning of the process and there's going to be a lot more interest in him, but I, I believe that, you know, hopefully I'm keeping my fingers crossed when it's all said and done. You know, and it's not my decision, it's his. But when it's all said and done, I'm, I'm hoping that he commits to Illinois. What do you tell him about he could be making money playing college basketball, not only NIL, but for playing? Well, practice hard. That's that's what I tell him. You know, listen, college basketball, it was already a business, but now it's become more of a business for the student athletes. And, you know, if you play your cards right, um, then you can make 
a great deal of money as a as a as a collegiate athlete, and that we have we have talked about that, you know, and, and he is interested in that. Uh, so, you know, but first and foremost, you know, we we're not going to college just to play basketball. We're going for the education as well. Um, his grandparents are retired school teachers. Uh, his mom went to Northwestern, unfortunately, and the University of Chicago. She got a master's there, so education is very important in our household too. A, a degree from this university uh, would be great for for our, not just our one son, but both of our sons, if they happen uh, to choose uh, this university. So, you know, we talk about that too, not just NIL. We talk about everything. So, you know, hopefully, you know, and I'm having fun in the process. You know, I, I've. I never thought that I would be in this position, but uh, here I am, and it's, you know, it's great. What did it mean to you, and just what was your reaction when you heard about that offer coming in from Illinois? Well, I, I tell you what, we were we were driving to a tournament, and I got the call from his coach that Illinois wanted to to offer my son, and I was, you know, I was like, wow, and I looked back and I smiled at him. He didn't know what I was smiling at, and uh, you know, talked to the coach a little bit. And then when I got off the phone, I said, hey, listen, man, you got your first offer. And then he was like, where? I was like, to Illinois. And he just, you know, the, the smile on his face I'll never forget, you know, because ever since he's been a little boy, you know, he's been an Illinois guy, you know, watches all the games. He doesn't say Illinois. He says we, you know, when he's talking about Illinois basketball. So I'm just hoping that he continues to say we over the next two or three years. <laughs> yeah. Kendall Gill talking about his son, Phoenix. Uh, he's had a line in there, you got an offer from Illinois not because of me, but because of your talent. Well, just remember, there's some Kendall Gill chromosomes in there. <laughs> so I think it had something to do with Kendall. Yeah, it, yeah, I guess so. But At least half of it. Yeah, but, you know, I, I mean, that was just uh, no, awesome. I no, an awesome conversation, just the, the way that he talks about his son. You know, you, you just love to hear that. Yeah, and... I, I would think that if you are the son of Kendall Gill or any other type legacy type player and you've got your parents saying Illinois, Illinois from the get-go, you're either going to be up a Malian on Illinois or nope, I'm going as far away from mom and dad as possible and what they want because I want to be my own thing, which is fine. I, mean, I think we all understand that. You know, some there's we've talked about this before. There's some really good athletes here in the area that specifically or just students that specifically mm -hmm. want to go somewhere else because they grew up here. It's not the same case with Phoenix. He's in the Chicago area, but he's seen so far at, as there's just a lot that can happen for a teenager. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Between their sophomore and senior year and actually, let's say, before they even show up on campus. Yeah, but for a, a lot of young folks, you know, no, uh, even it, before they take unofficial and official visits, probably haven't been on a college campus uh, except for the rare situation. And, and they've got a guy who's most likely been to the U of I at least one time to, to catch a game or something before. So familiar with the program, and, and it sounds like he already enjoys the Illini just a little bit, but uh, things can definitely change. There could be expectations placed on you too, though, if oh, you're yeah. the, the son of... But I don't know. One I mean, of the one of the greatest, yeah. Not yeah. just not just an, an Illini legacy, but yeah. When you think Illinois basketball, you think Kendall Gill. Mm -hmm. uh, baseball, all star rosters. Do you like them as they came out? Let's with the National League. Wilson Contreras named as a catcher. Mm -hmm. No argument from me. And it's it's really neat that his brother is 
William Contreras is on as a DH. Getting the getting to fill in for Bryce Harper, who, who's on the shelf, uh, made made that that final vote. There, there's always going to be some snubs in there. The the list can only go so long, and, and with injuries or, or guys that just aren't going to be able to pitch, you can you can get some more names in there. So as it stands, I, I think it looks good. There's always more guys that could be added. I think it's a really cool that there there was a time, and maybe not so much recently, just because there are so many good players, but Albert and Miguel Cabrera both getting added to the roster as legacy kind of picks just because, yeah, you, you want those guys to be at the All-Star game, especially in a sport that lacks marketable stars. Those are guys that have been around for decades, so you know them. Getting them to go out there. The fact that the Cubs have more All-Stars than the White Sox, probably not on many people's bingo cards going into the year, but uh, kind of shows where the, the White Sox have been here up until the midway point, just underperforming uh, across the board. Uh, Bob Nightingale wrote an article today. I don't know if you caught, or I don't know when it came out. Maybe it was yesterday. And uh, <laughs> I know he's your favorite guy. <laughs> and he's uh, he, he's hearing it a little bit because he, he made a note that there are whispers of uh, uh, clicks and lack of player leadership in the clubhouse. He's immediately being eviscerated, Bob Nightingale <laughs> is, for... Not revealing his source and may, and and the source sounding like Tony <laughs> <laughs> and Tony deflecting blame. Yeah, I, I and and when we t- we're going to talk to Dan Hartlib this week, and there, there's a question I have about fundamentals. Is there an expect? What is the, an expectation for for fundamentals to be executed in baseball? At the college level, you must. If you do certain fundamentals, stop me if you've heard this before, you're going to win some baseball games. Brett Bielma is talking about it. Uh, if you do, if we run the football well, if we play defense, you know, if we limit mistakes, we're going to win football games. The Chicago White Sox are not executing <laughs> fundamentals. It goes beyond just a, a uh, brain fart triple play. Yeah. It, it's bad, and I get that it's a hundred and sixty-two game season. These guys cannot have the practice that uh, that other rhythms of other leagues can do. Mm-hmm. There's probably an element of hey, you're pros, you do your work, and let's go. But this is bad, and at some level, I don't know if it's the minor leagues, if guys have been promoted too quick, if if. There's something they didn't do in spring training. There's bad communication in the outfield. It's just fundamentally bad. It's an underachieving team. And at some point, you have to look at your manager who sets the tone for that and your front office Mm -hmm. because they're too talented for where they're at. And I'm not even a White Sox fan, but I'm mad because it needs to be better baseball. It's been consistently, yeah, consistently bad, and you're seeing trends with some of those things that make you a, a, a little worried. Well, I, I did not see that, but what I did see was the the rumblings that could the White Sox be sellers, and, and I think somebody had the, the perfect take kind of along with, with what you're saying in that it'd be tough to make changes to this roster because it's so talented 
without first looking at the manager's position because they are. They have all-star caliber players, really one through nine, and they, and in the pitching rotation, uh, I think Dylan Cease might have got snubbed. There's a, a, a key guy that, that got snubbed who, you know, they, they've got these dudes and, and they're not performing, so before you make a, a rash reaction, which could have happened in, I, I keep going back to 2017 in the Cubs. They were sitting about this point with the, a similar record. I think the White Sox are 41-44 or something along those lines. Cubs went into the All-Star break under three games under 500. And what did they do? They went out and they got Jose Quintana. They didn't, they didn't sell. They, they made a change. But I don't know it. If that's the change they got to make, if they got to make a change at the manager position, but yeah, for for them to still be struggling to to be in the wild card race halfway through the season, you wonder what's gone wrong there. You got to look at the top first. Sorry. Okay. Uh, positive note in the baseball wild. I think it's feel good with Albert Pujols' day yesterday. <laughs> and, was that yesterday? Now uh, three hits, a home run. He's Tide Stan Musial in uh, just feel-good moment. And Ali Marmol was looking for a little shake-up, and he did the exact opposite of what you would think. He put Albert in against a right-hander um, <laughs> and just said, I needed a veteran presence, somebody who can kind of get us out of an offensive funk a little bit. Lo and behold, Albert came through. So that is a feel-good moment uh, for uh, for baseball yesterday, I thought. Well, if for the Cardinals, for a team that didn't score an earned run for almost a, a week, for Albert to be the the catalyst for that sort of thing and, and give you some some good momentum headed into the last week. Uh, yeah, Cardinals yeah. needed that. We know it's not the long term solution. It's not like okay, now put him in the lineup every day. But he just came in, provided that spark. It, it's what Joe Madden used to do with Anthony Rizzo when the Cubs were going bad. You throw him at the top of the lineup, he's going to hit you five home runs in, in seven days. And, and then he slides back down to his spot in the lineup or with Albert to he'll, he'll play against left-handed hitters but sometimes you got to do something different over a 180 day season to to get it going back in a moment i've been promising you this audio this is the sleepers podcast coleman hawkins on illinois uh, lack of success in march sleepers podcast if if we're being real games um so you guys have obviously had the Big Ten success, right? Like you've been the best program for the last three years, bar none, no question. Why has that not translated to March? Because that's the one thing like my fan base can still hold over your heads. Is it just that it's fluky? Like any random team can win any random one game? No. Um, if, if we're being real, um, I truly believe that it's because in Big Ten play, we get a, away with a lot of, um, like I said, the, the, the traditional offense that we ran for three years. Um, you know, people, people tag, every, um, every team in the Big Ten is tagging. You know, we come off the ball screen. We either have the roller or the shake behind for the three. Um, and that's Big Ten play, basically. Uh, and we were able to get away with that throughout the year but once once we see teams not doing those things and uh teams doing different defenses and switching everything I don't think we truly had like a real counter or a change in our offense so I think when we play a team like Houston who just can guard and do different things uh with their guys 
I think um, I think we always get popped in the mouth. Even preseason, we lost to Cincinnati, uh, Marquette. Like we get out the Big Ten, and um, it, it was something different. And teams had an answer for us. We didn't have an answer for them. But Big Ten play, we always have an answer for the team. And um, we've been playing the team every single year, and we know exactly what they do every year. Uh, and then when we get out of it, um, it's just like the same thing for us. But now we got a whole new team. We got a whole new, whole new everything. Um, so it's going to be a lot harder for teams to do what they do when they're and when it's not Big Ten play and it's, you know, and so yeah. So that's that's my answer to it. It could be wrong, but that's if if you really paid attention, I think you could. Uh, probably agree with me, so it's not a fluke. Well, that was loaded. That was Coleman Hawkins on the Sleepers podcast. That's a Michigan-based uh, podcast, and that was the most forthright answer I've ever heard from a player about the, the well, March. Well, this is also the same guy who claims that he didn't talk to his coach after the season, which is hard to believe. I mean, Coleman's a, a nice guy. Um, I, I'd be interested to see if anybody asked Brad Underwood about that today. Yeah, I, I didn't hear anybody ask him about it not. directly. Of course uh, not. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> No, we'll dive into that tomorrow. There's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, we're a little bit late for the news. Steve Kelly, the News Gazette Sports Writers, coming up for hour number two. And we are back tomorrow in the 4 o'clock hour. News Talk 1400, 93.9 FM, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. People are trying to beat the heat. Just taking it easy makes a difference. I don't push too hard on a hot, hot day like this. But officials are concerned triple-digit temperatures will burn the state's power grid. They're warning people to conserve energy to avoid outages. At least two people died and three others were hurt in four shootings today near Los Angeles. Authorities have linked most of the shootings.